Many of us took on new hobbies during the pandemic, from baking bread to woodworking. Today, we speak to an entrepreneur who took her passion for making ice cream from a pandemic pastime to a full-fledged business. But shh, it's super secret. I'm Matt Mowry, editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, founder and president of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Matthew. Yes. Um, apropos of our guest today, I have to ask you, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Well, first of all, do you like ice cream? And do if I, you say no, then we have to stop everything and you say, have to leave. You have to get drummed out of New Hampshire to not like ice cream. <laughs> I mean, in one of the, you know, where we have cold most of the year round, yeah. we are the most obsessed state when it comes to ice cream. And I'm, I'm part of that. Good. I do not judge that. Like, make me choose. That's the tough part when we go out for ice cream. I'm like, yes, I want all of it. But Mm -hmm. I tend to go for ooey gooey. So I'm either like salted caramel, peanut butter, combine those. And like, it's a little Nirvana for me. Oh yeah. That, 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 that's, I'd say my jam, but it's my cone. That's your jam. That's your cone. I like that. What about you? Ah, boy. Um, I, I think when I was a kid, I was really into mint chip for some reason. You remember, you know, like the green one. That's my wife's the, go-to. Yeah. And so I'm also like a chocolate guy. I think I most enjoy though, like, so those kinds of, you know, we'll say those two are the, are the go-tos, but I love putting on like the chocolate sauce and the whipped cream because I don't know, I have a thing for whipped cream. So, um, <laughs> you, I am you didn't, not gonna you, comment. You, you laughed, but not audibly, which means to, which means to me, there's so much in your head, and you're like, "Where do I go with this? Too many Where do I go with this?" Comments. I'm really into whipped cream um, on my ice cream. Thank you very much. But yeah, we'll stick with those. I would say chocolate and and mint chip. Anything that's verboten, like that, you feel do not belong in ice cream. Trout, maybe. What Which, ice cream place are you going? No, I don't. But there was a there was an Iron Chef show years ago, and the guy made trout ice cream. I kid oh. you not. I, it happened. It happened. I remember. No, yeah. that's yeah. wrong. Maybe I'll find the link and leave it on my blog for our <laughs> listeners. But uh, trout ice cream. So no, I don't. I won't eat trout ice cream. That's about it, though. Yeah, because nice. it's ice cream. Like I'm not going to say cream. no to anything. Good. It's all good. Yeah, I love it. All right, you know what? That's enough of us for one for one day or one month or one year. Uh, <laughs> let's get to our guest this week, though. Our guest this week is Christina Zontini, founder of Super Secret Ice Cream in Bethlehem, New Hampshire. Originally from the suburbs of Boston, Christina studied economics and food systems at the University of Vermont before working with a nonprofit focused on food access, then becoming the operations manager at a San Francisco cooking school. She made her way back east as marketing manager with the Littleton Food Co-op before being, as she puts it, distracted by ice cream. I think this is going to be a fun one. Christina, welcome. Um, I think we're in, like I said, for a fun show, not only because you're here, but because July is National Ice Cream Month. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Listen, we are so excited to have you. Um, First and foremost, we had, we, you know, put ourselves out there in terms of our favorite ice cream flavor. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? I get this question a lot, as you can imagine. Yeah, and I keep coming back to um, one of my favorite flavors is blueberry chip. Yeah, and I know it's really good. Uh, (laughs) Is this one that you make or is this, okay. Yeah, so this is the one that I make. And then, I mean, I have a lot of different flavors and tiers of like depending on my mood. But um, 
I think blueberry chips my favorite because I make it with these Vermont grown blueberries. Mm. Um, and it's kind of like a special moment in the summer when the blueberries come in season and I mean, I could buy them by the pound, but I really love picking blueberries. And so it's very unsustainable, probably long term. But I go and I pick the blueberries, usually like after, you know, a shift or whatever. And it's just so fun. I usually bring friends and their kids. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's really fun. And so yes. that makes it like really special. But then more importantly, um, the blueberries at Sweet Seasons Farm are just incredible. And she has all different varieties. And so I make kind of like it's like a blueberry buttermilk base. And I just call it blueberry chip because sometimes the buttermilk scares people. Um, but it's a really tangy, fruity, bright, bright purple, vibrant blueberry ice cream. And there's no fake syrups or anything. And I think that's what makes it really special. And then I do a little bit of like um, dark chocolate chips throughout it that are like little bits of chocolate. I am having such a craving right now. I know. Right? <laughs> Can we just stop what we're doing and go eat some ice cream, please? Thank you very much. Well, let, I, I think just like a giant Sunday, we need to dig into this. Mm. But, um, but So, you know, I think when we all go to, you know, you, you go to your favorite ice cream stand and you're there and you're like, one day I want to do this. And now you are living the dream that, you know, everyone, everyone says you did. So what were you doing prior to this? And what made you go from, huh, I, 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 I want, I like eating ice cream to, huh, I might want to make ice cream to, this is a business. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good question. I think about it a lot because I've always been someone who doesn't know what they want to do when they grow up. And I still feel like that because mm-hmm. I don't know how you really know until you're doing something. And and so it's such a weird thing. I was like, I think I'm going to enjoy doing this, right? But um, I kind of just fell into it because um, my partner and I moved back from San Francisco and he grew up in Bethlehem, New Hampshire. And so I was like, sure, I'll go there for a little bit like that'll be a fun adventure <laughs> uh, and we had actually we had actually taken a year off um he kind of got burnt out at his job and we worked um we bicycled around like the southwest into and into colorado from california and we kind of you know just lived life a little differently for a bit and that was like kind of fun and it really made me think about what i wanted to do and so when i moved back to New Hampshire, I was like, maybe I'll try to do something a little more creative. And, you know, I found the job at the co-op and it was going to be like a part-time thing. And then it turned into a full-time job and I loved it. And it was so much fun, but I didn't really want to be behind a desk. So I took, I ended up leaving and it wasn't like my expertise per se. And um, I, I don't know, I just started like I had all this time and so I, you know, volunteered and I just like kind of experimented and um, I was in Chicago and I was at an ice cream shop and they had an ice cream cookbook called Hello, My Name is Ice Cream. Um, <laughs> it's such a good name. I love it. Yeah. It is. And yeah. Um, this woman named Dana Cree wrote it and she's kind of like the queen of ice cream and especially like ice cream made with like real ingredients and kind of like she's kind of like breaking barriers with like the types of ice cream she makes. And I don't know, I got the book because I collect cookbooks and then my husband was like, well, do you want to make the ice cream too? Like you could get an ice cream machine. I'm like, oh, I guess I could. <laughs> Why and, not? Yeah. And so I just started doing it for fun. And then it, I just kept, things just kept falling into place. And I just kept, I was like, oh, I really like this, you know? And then I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a creative person and it lends itself to that. And then I would give it to friends and then they liked it and you can't not like ice cream. So then I, it, I just kept falling into it. And so then I just decided, oh, I'll take the next step. And the next step was, a freezer in a shack like behind my house. I have this like ski tuning shed 
um, that came with our house, and it um, we put a freezer in it. And I said, "Oh, hey, come pick up your ice cream." You know. And now, about what it. time is this? Like in terms of, was this during yeah. the pandemic, pre-pandemic? No, it was. It was a year before the pandemic. Okay. Yeah, it was one year before the pandemic. I started that just out of my house, um, and that's where like the super secret name came from um, because I didn't want people to really know what I was doing because they're just for friends and family. (laughs) And and so I had a private Instagram account. So like just my friends and family could see it. But then I started getting people, friends of friends being, well, can I join? Can I join? And that's kind of how it like organically uh, grew. And then it was just, you know, I never fully decided I was going to open up an ice cream shop. It just, well, okay, I like this. Let's go to the farmer's market. You know, oh, I like this and I don't want to get a desk job yet, you know, and so it just kept kind of growing that way. Um, But, you know, when I look back on my life and I think about the different things that I did, it makes a lot of sense that I'm here like wearing an ice cream sweatshirt and Uh running an ice cream shop. Yeah, Yeah, you're kind of perfect for this. So I think you may have found your calling. Yeah, But you can have other callings. That's fine, too. But we'd like you to... Um, to me, and, and we talk about this on the show a lot, but so to me, you're sort of that classic entrepreneur, right? You have a passion for something and you're going to go for it and you're going to do it. Um, you've had some great experience prior to starting your own business, but what are some of the resources that you rely on as you started and now you're, you're growing the business? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, so many things I, I, I love our community in Bethlehem and Littleton in our area. And I feel like I'm so like, I have so many friends that have small businesses um, that I've made over the years of being here and just frequenting, you know, the restaurants and the cafes and, and whatnot. And so I would say like, they're like really high up there for like just great resources. Cause I kind of saw, you know, seeing my friends do it. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, maybe I can do it. Um, And then, I'm part of this group, um, like I, I'm not like a big social media person, but for my business, it, it works really well. And so I'm on it a lot, just like looking to see what other people in other cities are doing and trying to get ideas. And from that, I've met this like awesome community of ice cream makers. And we have a Slack group where there's over a hundred people from like a couple different countries, all sharing information about um, how to make ice cream, you know, thinking about opening a business or, you know, what's the best cookbook to look or, you know, how do you use this and how do you make caramel that's soft in the ice cream, you know, just anything and everything. Um, And that's been like super super helpful and just like hearing everyone else's story and like realizing like we're all just making it up you know one of my friends um was just on vice for her ice cream company um yeah they did like a little like story on her and it's just so funny because like i hear her behind the scenes and then i see this like fancy um you know show put out and showing her ice cream and all that stuff and it's just like so fun it's like oh those are real people behind you know the fancy (laughs) ice cream brands and like stuff like that and so that's kind of um, reassuring. Um, and then there's, you know, there's a lot of nonprofit groups out there and community development groups that, um, help with grants and stuff like that. And that's been a huge resource for me, but definitely like the, you know, there's the community and stuff and the community online as well. You talked about, you know, that, you know, well, let's get an ice cream machine, but it's not quite as simple as that, or or at least it wasn't for you. I mean, you've really did a lot of research into it, um, and you have a whole philosophy about your approach to ice cream. Can you talk about what that is and how you go about um, what what is the priority for you when you're making ice cream and how you go about selecting flavors? And let's talk about also some of the different flavors you have, because you have some that are not common. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, Larry, let me start with the first part. Yeah, you're right. It's not like you can't really just start making ice cream. And so that's why I quickly left my like kitchen in my home and, you know, started renting a kitchen because in the machinery and like there's all the special equipment. But yeah, I mean, I just started off researching scouring the internet, like taking classes, just reading everything. Um, and then, yeah, I, what was the, what was well, what's thing? your philosophy or your approach to ice cream? Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. That's an important question. Um, my approach has always been, um, I, I like to get creative with food. So I want it to be creative and fun and approachable. Um, and I, as I started to get into ice cream, I realized, um, so much of ice cream, comes it what it does is it, it like the term is like ice cream mix so like most shops get an ice cream mix so it's milk and cream and sugar and other stuff and stabilizers and sometimes stuff that like doesn't make sense stabilizers do make sense but sometimes there's like other added stuff and you're like do you really need that and so it's just like a bag of liquid and then you take that bag of liquid it goes in the fridge and then when you're ready to make ice cream you take it out and then you're like I want to make strawberry ice cream and you take a container of strawberry syrup and like the first five ingredients are not strawberry you know it's <laughs> corn syrup yeah it's flavoring and 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 then you just you pour it into the bag and then you shake it up and then you pour it into the machine and out comes ice cream and it's like super quick super efficient um but to me that's not like fun no. and so my approach has always been and i don't think any ice cream is bad ice cream like i don't discriminate on my ice cream i think you know so many shops are doing great things but for me for like my lifestyle and what i wanted to focus on was what what can i create with real ingredients mm -hmm. like can i really get the blueberries in vermont and can i get strawberries from joesbrook farm and mm. you know and make it myself using my own flavors and produce and, and whatnot. And so that's what I focus on with my ice cream is, you know, I kind of say like no weird stuff. And what I mean by that is like, it's not just flavorings from a flavor company, which most people, they have like their flavor reps. And so they're like, I want to make salted caramel ice cream. And you'll call your flavor rep and you'll say, hey, what do you have for, for flavors for salted caramel? And then you'd like get little samples of these like concentrated flavor syrups. And that's what makes a lot of the ice cream. And, mm. and so it's, so it, I don't know, like I like being in the kitchen. And so for me, that was just never going to be something I was going to do. Right. Um, and so I don't know, I think it's really special to be able to have the relationships with farmers too and um, make ice cream kind of based on like what's in season and stuff like that yeah. and kind of bring like that pastry baking world into ice cream making where I think um, a lot of times it's lost for kind of profit and efficiency. Mm, interesting. And so what are some of the flavors you've developed? Because you go well beyond the basics of, you know, chocolate, vanilla, <laughs> and even <laughs> caramel. Uh, that's such a good question. Um, well, it's funny. It, it's just endless, like the flavors you can come up with. And it's part, it's kind of overwhelming. So I've, I've kind of had this approach and it's kind of crazy where like every week when I was making ice cream, cause I would sell at the farmer's markets or do ice cream drops, you know, weekly or monthly, I would change the flavors up every time. And so I've had the good fortune of being able to just try so many different stuff, so many different types of flavors. And so I don't know. I mean, I, a lot of it's like borrowed from other shops. You know, I see what other people are like, oh, that's a good idea, you know, because if someone's already doing it, it's a good idea. And then some of it I try to like think of myself. But I mean, one of my favorite flavors is um, inspired by when I, I lived in Mexico for a little while when I was in college. And so it's called Oaxacan Chili Chocolate. 
Yeah. And it's like, they're just, in Oaxaca, they're like famous for like their chocolate and they add spices and it's just really cool. And so um, I like grind up this like this chocolate with chili and it make like a kind of a spicy dark chocolate. Um, and that one's really fun. Um, trying to think of some of the other ones. It's always hard. I always feel like I blank whenever people ask me. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I've made so many. I, well, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Maybe you can think of some other flavors too, but have you ha- ever had a developed a flavor that sort of bombed whether with your customers or in your own eyes, like, Oh my God, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Oh, all the time, <laughs> all the time. So it, it a lot of my, <laughs> my day to day is like calming myself down and being like, this is okay. <laughs> Cause you're your worst critic. Yeah. Um, yeah. and Oh, I've bombed so many things. Cause you're not just taking flavorings and added to ice cream. You're changing the chemistry. So, I'm still really bad. I haven't figured out oh. like peanut butter ice cream, oh. you know? And so, um, but I guess one of the worst flavors was like this avocado grapefruit flavor that it wow. sounds crazy. It does. And it actually <laughs> tasted awesome, uh-huh. but the texture was so bad because avocados have so much fat. Yeah. And you know, if you add fat to ice cream um, and then you're making the percentage of fat go up, all of a sudden, it's all like science. And so it's like, I tr- I'm not very sciencey. And so um, you got to try to balance all that. And so that was like a total disaster and you couldn't sell it. But, you know, I'll do other stuff. Like I worked with kids and they, they helped develop a flavor at the local elementary school. And, you know, they wanted all this stuff in it. And we ended up deciding on doing like, um, I think they had like Oreos and fudge and some other stuff. And in, in my head, I'm making it, and I'm like, this is going to be so bad because I oversalted the Oreos, and I don't know if, if this is right. And then I make it, and it was like our best-selling flavor, and wow. like everyone wants to buy it. And cool. So I, like everyone's taste buds is, are like, you know, they're all different. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but I definitely make a lot of mistakes. I drop ice cream. I, you know, I measure things wrong. It's just like, it's going to happen. <laughs> um, I'm curious, though. Um, because there's a bunch of people in my family that fall into this category, do you do anything that either is non-dairy or just doesn't have like milk in it at all, like popsicles or things like that or? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a huge like push for, um, vegan non-dairy ice cream. Mm. Um, I, I know shops, I have friends that have shops that are completely plant-based frozen desserts, it's called. Because legally, you can't call it ice cream oh, right. if there's not dairy in it mm-hmm. or it doesn't have a certain percentage of dairy in it. Um, and so we're definitely trying to focus on that more. We do uh, sorbets. And so we have like this like mango sorbet pop. That's one of my favorites. Um, we do a lot of fruit sorbets and stuff like that. And I've, I've dappled with like vegan ice cream that tastes more like that creamy ice cream that we all like know and think of. Mm. We think of ice cream and I haven't quite figured it out yet, but this year it, I'm, I've put a lot of effort into it and I work with, I actually work with an ice cream consultant who helps me with the science of a lot of our flavors. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's really How awesome. How did you find an ice cream consultant? Is this like through the yeah. Slack group? Yeah, it's kind of this. <laughs> it, no, it's, he has this like kind of famous blog. He's actually in the UK. Oh, wow. And he's just like this ice cream science guy and he's awesome. And we, I got a grant and I was like, this is what I need to use a grant for. I need yeah. to figure out how to make the best dairy-free plant-based ice cream I can possibly make because every time I made, it, I'm like, I'm just not happy with it. Mm-hmm. And then when you're when you're starting your own business, like I started mastering ice cream, and then to bring in this non dairy component, which I really believe in and want to bring in, is this whole other thing you have to kind of learn. Um, and so I'm excited now that we're expanding to bring in those non dairy options. Um, but for now, we have the pops and stuff like that and sorbets. But um, hopefully, when the season 
starts, which is now. <laughs> you just, you're like, oh, that's right. It's July. <laughs> Um, no, we will, um, we have a lot of dairy and non-dairy options at the shop. Cool. And I should say for our listeners, um, just so you know, today we're pretending it's July, but it's not. So today when we're recording, it's not July, which means that we're going to probably ask Christina a bunch of questions about her growth in a little bit here. Um, and she may or may not have all the answers, but we're going to end the day in a little while, uh, where you'll know exactly where and how to find her and her ice cream. So, um, maybe before we jump maybe into that, I have a question for you because I know you're passionate about food. We can hear it in the way that you obviously, you know, created this, this business and this ice cream. But you studied um, food systems and economics. How does one decide, say, out of high school that they want to go to school for food system and economics? Can you kind of walk us through that? And like, who were you as a kid that, you know, you just went to UVM for food systems and economics? It's such a funny question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I was a kid, my first job was on ice cream shop. And I think that's Uh, what started it all and like kind of you know, taught me good work ethic and like all that stuff. I, our boss, the owner was just awesome. And so I stayed there up until college. Um, you know, it's really funny. I was never into school. Like I liked it and I liked the social part, but I couldn't sit still in my seat. And so the fact that I got into college and like applied. You. Yeah. It's <laughs> like my life. She's explaining, she's describing my life. Go ahead. I was like, you know, it's so funny. I, I could not believe I got into UVM and I'm like, what? And I, I, don't, even, I don't even know. I think I applied to like three colleges. And so I, I was like, I guess I'm going there. And it, you know, it was awesome. It's such a cool town and whatnot. And I had zero clue what I wanted to do when I got there. And they usually say like the first year you kind of explore but it's also you only have four years. And so how do you like really choose? And so I don't, honestly, I had a friend who I looked up to who was older than me and she was in this um, economics program. And I was like, I want to be more like her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw like, economics into the I mix. I like, she's awesome. It seems really smart. Um, she seems to make good yeah, choices. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, there we go. I mean, I, it, this, this is like a side note, but like to decide at that age is just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, it totally is. But UVM, you know, they're really into farming. They're really into food, you know. So, you know, they, they're kind of good at marketing to, to you. And I knew I liked food and they had this new food systems program. Um, and so I, I just kind of fell into it, I, I guess. And honestly, it was because and now I look going back, I probably would have done something different. But I, I was kind of nervous as a kid. I was like, oh, what if I, do I want to be a dietitian or do I want to be a nurse? And then I was like, well, what if I can't pass the test at the end? You know, like you know, I kind of got like nervous about that. And so I don't know, it seemed like fun. The professors were cool. There's a lot of like environmental focused work too. So nice. Did, yeah. is there, is there anything from your education that is sort of relevant or that you, you use now in growing the business and in sourcing ingredients and just doing what you're doing? Is there anything from that that sort of stuck out? I actually think there, there is a lot. I mean, I mean, food systems is so broad. A lot of people go into policy. Mm. Um, a lot of people just go into a food related, you know, I mean, I went into food access work for a little bit. Um, and so I don't know, I, I worked with, I had a lot of, um, like hands-on training at UVM where you go and work with a local farm and you kind of help them 
develop, uh, you know, programs and systems and whatnot. And so just kind of working with small businesses and kind of seeing what that was like was definitely eye-opening. Um, I remember one of our projects was someone wanted to get a grant to try to grow local ginger in, in Vermont. And now that's more of a thing, but it, uh-huh. it wasn't as much. You know, they were buying it from Hawaii, like transplants, oh, wow. and then trying to, like, grow huh. it in Vermont. Yeah, it was really interesting. But now I think you can get local ginger, you know, in New Hampshire, all over. I planted some for a friend last year yeah. in the greenhouse. Yeah. So, yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. It was pretty broad. I took a lot of broad classes. I had a cooking class at UVM that I kind of fell in love with. Um, yeah. So I do want to get to the growth of the company because mm. um, I'm the business editor, so I always want to <laughs> dig into these things. Um, so, you know, you started this in earnest a year before the pandemic, but then, you know, the last two years, everything got turned upside down. Was the pandemic, uh, you know, a challenge for the business or was it an opportunity for you to grow it? What happened with the business and, and your approach to it during that time? That's a great question. Um, I feel like it's all a blur. Uh, <laughs> Time did lose meaning. I know. I've never been good at like years. Like you, I couldn't tell you when I moved to New Hampshire. Um, yeah, it, it, I was very fortunate. Um, my husband works from home. Um, I like didn't have a job that I had to go into or anything like that. And I was doing ice cream. I was starting it kind of full time um, right before the pandemic. So I had a lot of flexibility. And so I think you know, people were looking to support local and they were looking for kind of something fun and safe to do. And so um, I actually, right before the pandemic, I mean, the plan was to start the farmer's market. So that was going to be my first year at the farmer's market. Um, And so I... I just, I, there was just a lot of support for like coming and picking up ice cream at my house because it was already contactless. You didn't have to like, right. you go had the inside. shed in back, right? Yeah, you had the shed in the back. And, and then people were at home and they, you know, they wanted something fun or bring ice cream home for their kids. Or a lot of people like brought their kids and that was like the highlight of their day, you know, just to get outside. And, um, and so then the farmer's market started. And I think what helped me with the pandemic was farmer's markets outside. And then um, per the health department, I had to have prepackaged stuff anyway. So I did prepackaged sandwiches and pints and novelties. And so it was never a plan to scoop ice cream on site. I think logistically, it would have been a nightmare. The health department wouldn't have loved it. And so um, we were already planning on prepackaging ice cream. And so it was just perfect. So I did the farmer's market set up outside, felt very safe. People felt safe coming, I think. And I just handed, you know, we were had contact, contactless handoff and people brought their ice cream and enjoyed it at home or like, you know, went off to a picnic table and, and enjoyed it. So um, we were really, really lucky. Um, and then everyone was kind of just like at home quarantining. So I spent a lot of time just building the business and thinking through like kind of what I wanted it to look like. Quarantining and, so, and eating all of that yummy ice cream. I know. That was my family. I'm like, let's go testing. to the farmer's market. Yeah. Let's get that ice cream. Let's go home and eat it. And <laughs> so you went from, you know, at home with the shed and then getting a commercial kitchen and then the ice cream cart and, and being able to go to the farmer's markets. And, you know, the brand has been very small batch artisan artisanal ice cream. So where have you been taking that? Um, what have been the next steps for your business? Next steps. Oh, 
I, I, I feel like I take such baby steps. And so- <laughs> I would say, now, I would say you've just taken a rather large step yes. recently. Can you just dive into what you what you did somewhat recently and, and, and yes. all that? Yeah, yes. That's no yes. baby step. No, this is true. So I kept, I would tell myself, this is just a baby step. I don't have to make up my mind. You know, it's a baby step. And then... Um, I shared a commercial kitchen with my friend Heidi, who's a baker who owns Mountain Roots Farm, and we just had a ball. And then, you know, our lease was up, and we're like, okay, we got to start thinking about what we wanted to do. And she ended up having a baby and kind of changed her focus. And then I was like, okay, I got to kind of figure out what I want to do. And some lease negotiations fell through where I was renting at the kitchen. And so I thought, well, I want to keep making ice cream. And this building on Main Street in Bethlehem had been for sale for a really long time. And I kept being like, I don't want that building. I was like, I'm not into it. I don't want that building. Because we would kind of look around at real estate and be like, oh, that would be fun, like Mm. having a business on Main Street. You know, it's always interesting to see what people are buying and doing with spaces. And I was like, I don't want that building. And my husband loved it. He was like, it was a cool building. This is like, has so much. I'm like, (laughs) no. And anyway, so then the lease comes up and we're like, what are we going to do? And that building's still for sale. We're like, why don't we just go look at it one more time? And so we looked at it and we're like, this actually has a lot of potential. So we bought a building on Main Street. Wow. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So we took a very large leap. It was either have no kitchen because there's no rental commercial kitchen space in the North Country Mm -hmm. or very little. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to find. And so we thought, I guess we're building an ice cream shop and then we're lucky enough that we can own the building. So the thoughts always, you know, we could always rent it out. You know, if I, you know, if something happens, we could always rent it out. So, um, yeah, we took that step and we wanted to expand and we love Bethlehem so much. And so it was kind of the perfect place to be and kind of be that community ice cream shop that you can walk to, bike to. Yeah. What's some, what's your vision for sort of the, the shop itself? Um, are you doing the prepackaged thing? Are you going to be doing any scooping? Tell us about what that's going to feel like, look like. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, we've always been like really nimble so we can kind of pivot. And that's why like, you know, the pandemic, we, mm-hmm. we kind of all worked and all that stuff. So having a shop is a little daunting because now you have this big overhead and you have this location and there's just endless possibilities. And so my vision right now, and it could always change, is to just have this like awesome place to kind of go and gather with friends and sit outside or sit inside um, and have this kind of indoor retail environment that, you know, you just smell the waffle cones when you walk in and, you know, options for everyone. And then also we're going to build um, a walk-up window so you don't even have to go inside if you don't want to. And it's also because we don't know what the build, like, getting contractors and building out the building, like you can only guess at the timeline and stuff like Mm. that. So our hope is we're going to have the walk-up window up and going and you can come and stand outside and get a cup or a cone and go eat it outside as well. So we'll kind of be able to have that, that experience of just like outdoor window and then an inside space. And so we can kind of play around with that. Um, we can maybe host events and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we'll have scooped ice cream. We'll have pints. We'll have ice cream sandwiches. We'll have novelties. Um, I hope to have some like really fun merch that you can buy cool. or send to friends. Like ice cream sweatshirts? Yeah, yeah ice cream sweatshirts. <laughs> Like you're wearing today. It's like, yeah, that's kind of fun. I want one. So, when do you hope to have the shop up and running? It's a great question as well. Um, (laughs) I think I want, oh, this is the first time I'm saying it publicly. I'm hoping we could have the window 
open in June. So you come up to the window and order something, whether it's mm. pints and sandwiches to start or scoops right, right, right away. Like it just kind of depend on like if we have our systems figured out, our, yeah. our building, um, our entire porch just got teared down because we're, we have to rebuild it because it was structurally not sound. And so right now looking at it, I'm like, when will this will be done in 2027? <laughs> oh, um, no. But the inside's looking really good and we have like a great team of carpenters working on it. So I think June... Nice. Early June, nice. we could well, potentially have ice cream. By the time this is airing, we hope that it's it's up and running. So yes. Um, but we want folks to you know to connect with you, follow you. Where do they find you on the web or on on social media so they can track your progress and know when that window is open? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find us online at supersecreticecream.com, and we'll keep those. Um, hours and kind of we'll keep everything updated there and then um, just a quick Google search you'll be able to find us and we'll have you know we're at 2213 Main Street in Bethlehem right down the road from Reckless in the Colonial Theater. you were going to say my house because <laughs> <laughs> it literally is that's so funny I thought you were totally going to say that but Right down the street from my house. Please don't come visit <laughs> me. I'll be at the ice cream shop anyway. I think everyone uses Nathan's house as a, as a directional point, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, you know where he lives. Like, just down there from there. Whatever. It's fine. Um, so, and, and social media, too. So Instagram yeah. is a big one that I'm, I'm always updating. You do a great Instagram job on and, that, yeah. Oh, thank you. Instagram and Facebook, just at Super Secret Ice Cream. Cool. Cool. Any thoughts of having to change the name eventually to maybe like, I don't know, More super not so cream. secret ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's becoming much of a secret anymore. Yeah. I know. I know this, the secret's out. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't know. We'll see if I like what I lean into. I, I always think I'm going to change the name, but then I, I then I keep it because all my friends' kids love it and they like to whisper it. Yeah. We're gonna go super You're going to have to have a speakeasy door at the store. Ooh, you know, know. A special you secret code to get yeah. in. I know. <laughs> You never know. The back of the building's open. Eat your ice cream out of a special cup. There you go. Oh, my gosh. Um, This is so fun, and and I just we have to have fun talking about ice cream. I love it. So um, maybe we wrap up with a little bit of trivia, um, a little bit of ice cream trivia here, and I have compiled a couple of (laughs) questions. So I mentioned at the top of the show that it is National Ice Cream Month. Woohoo! Very exciting, right? Um, I plan on celebrating hard. I'm, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going like all month long, man. That's it. Do you know? So this isn't. I I found this out when I googled this that it's not just like some you know somebody that was like, let's call it National Ice Cream Month. This is like proclaimed. This was a big deal. Do you know who proclaimed July National Ice Cream Month and when? Oh. Oh, wow. These are real questions. Yeah, these are real questions. And if you don't have the answers, that's fine, because I do. Do, 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 Okay, so I have two thoughts. The Dairy Lobby. Okay. um, They're very powerful people. Um, Or National, NICRA, like the National Ice Cream Convention Well, so they, they... They celebrate the day, which is always Sunday. Well, this year it's Sunday, July 17th. Um, But it was, get this, Ronald Reagan. In 1984. Oh, yes, I knew that. Okay, he's like, <laughs> like obsessed. Wait. Yeah, he's obsessed with ice cream. Right, I think. like, yeah. of course he did. Wait, really? Of I thought he was did? the jelly bean I guy. Yeah, no, but 1984, <laughs> Ronald yeah, Reagan, President tooth. Reagan, was like, National Ice Cream Month, folks, it's July. Oh, so there you go. Learn but a the, new thing. Yeah, so the day, of course, there's a day within the month, but there's, there's the whole month. The day, at least this year, is Sunday, July 17th. Oh. So. You know, if you're only going to do one day of ice cream, I guess that's the day. But if you want to do a whole month of ice cream, 
Go for it. We'll have to do something fun. Yes, you Free will. Free ice cream for everyone. No, oh, don't you dare. <laughs> you careful. They'll be lining up all the way to my house. So we'll get your ice cream. Oh, my gosh. Christina, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, we're so excited for you and your growth. I think you're perfect for this role because you're fun. You're you're really rolling with this and doing really cool stuff and focusing on food and, and all of it. And it's just so exciting. So we wish you nothing but massive success all around ice cream and other fun stuff. And we're so thankful that you got to share your story with us. Thanks for being here. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. And now the buzz with Matt Mowry. Sports betting is ramping up in the state and adding more to the coffers. Since July 2021, the New Hampshire Lottery and Drafts Kings have seen New Hampshire players place more than 11 million bets, totaling more than $575 million. And gambling is big for our New Hampshire economy. For the past 58 years, New Hampshire, which had the very first state lottery in the country, has recorded more than $8 billion in lottery sales and other earnings, with more than $5.4 billion paid out in prizes and other costs of sales, and contributing more than $2.3 billion to education in the state. And that's what we're buzzing about this week. Welcome back to the Cardinal Corner. I'm Nathan Carroll. How do you know when you're ready to take the next step to expand your brand or open a new location? Dare I say that most entrepreneurs don't wake up one morning and say, today is the day I am going to expand. And it's often a situation, an opportunity, a conversation, an offering maybe that propels someone to do it. And in a perfect world, you'd have all your ducks in a row and be ready to jump on expansion when the moment hits. But that's not. It's, it's not a perfect world we live in. So um, how can you be prepared to the best of your ability? Let's just talk about a couple things here. We're going to put this up on the blog as well so you can refer back to it. But number one is uh, to absolutely have your financial house in order. Make sure your books are kept, your taxes are filed, you fully understand your financial situation, your expenses, your revenue, your forecast, how much cash you have on hand, all that stuff. And perhaps even more importantly, continuously be building your relationship with your commercial banker. So when the time comes, they'll know you, your goals, your needs, right? Number two, treat your business plan as a living, breathing, morphing document. Or if you don't have a business plan, it's time to build one. The business plan isn't just a tool to assist with future financing, but it acts as a guide for you to build your business and run your business. So within that business plan should be some goals for the future, whether growth, expansion of a product line, whatever it is in the future, right? Number three, know your network. Think about what growth means to you. Will you need additional employees, assistance in marketing, a builder? As you build that business plan, also build your plan of who in your network you'd want to work with to accomplish your growth goal. Depending on the situation, maybe even let them know what your future aspirations are. The people you know and trust will be your biggest champions and will be your biggest assets as you set your, set your sights high. Thanks for joining me in the Cardinal Corner, where we're always thinking 10 times bolder about the future. Find more at our website, cardinalconsultingnh.com, or on social at cardinalconsultingnh. Thank you for joining us today. 
If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. Check out the Cardinal blog and learn about our services at cardinalconsultingnh.com. We're on social at Cardinal Consulting NH. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a joint production of Business New Hampshire Magazine and Cardinal Consulting.